So there I am, staring down at my sister Martha. I have her pinned to the floor. She can't move. There's this look of shock on her face. And I'm asking myself, what the hell happened here? This is not the order of things between us. And it had taken me 16 years to change that order. <clears throat> when I was born, Martha, already at the young age of two, was a force to be reckoned with. My earliest sense of her was of this huge presence, this loud presence, this energy that pushed everything aside in its wake and sucked the oxygen out of the room. And to be in her presence, I felt I had to make myself very, very small. Every single day in our household, every single day was tumultuous. There was my younger sister, Kate. She was no problem. But then there was my father. He was a violent, raging, unpredictable man. He never knew what was going to set him off. And when he was set off, it was not good. And there was my mother. She was cold, critical. She could slice you to ribbons with her tongue. And then there was Martha, this angry fighter of a child, defiant, absolutely refused to back down from anything. I never saw her back down, ever. Even when she was being brutally beaten by my father, she would stand in his face and still be talking to him, yelling at him. Even when my mother was insulting her, she would stand there and she refused to give in. Day after day, I watched this from a distance, terrified, confused, and I just felt myself growing smaller and smaller smaller. So here I was, this very small person in this large, terrifying world, and I had to find a way to cope, and I didn't do well at all. As a result of that, I was, I was afraid of everyone and everything. I was shy. I didn't hardly have any friends. And everything in life was just huge and difficult. And so my parents assigned Martha to be my rescuer, to be my protector, to make sure Mary was okay, because everybody knew Mary was not okay. And Martha resented that. Oh, she resented having to, that responsibility to taking care of me. And I hated it. I hated it. I just wanted to be left alone so I could, so I could breathe, so I could think, so I could just have some space. I just needed my space. We grew up in a lovely little town in the rolling hills of eastern Iowa, and that's what saved me. That's what kept me sane. Because I could go outside all seasons of the year, and I gained my strength from being alone in nature. I, it was the only place where I could breathe and kind of find myself. In this little town, we had, uh, were surrounded by cornfields, tree-lined streets, beautiful little town. And in our neighborhood, there were lots of children, all ages. And Martha appointed herself as the neighborhood czar and social director. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever was going on, you could be sure Martha was running the show, whether it was kick the can, Red Rover, Red Rover, 
hide and seek, baseball, you name it. Martha was running the show. And oftentimes that meant that she would gather all the kids together and they would run away from me and leave me by myself. And I would be so humiliated, it was embarrassing. I didn't want people to see me by myself, so I found places to hide. I found a really cool place. I made a cave in these really thick bushes on the edge of a cornfield. I loved to go under the front porch where my dad stowed the lawnmower. I could see out, but nobody could see, and I'd take my toys under there. But there was one time when I was six years old when Martha decided to include me in one of her activities. She had organized a snipe hunt. <laughs> Some of you know a snipe hunt, I can tell by your reaction. She took us out, there were six of us, she took us out in the cornfield, which was one block from home, at dusk, because everybody knows that snipes come out only at dusk and at night, right? We had our flashlights, but luckily we didn't really need them that night because there was to be a full moon. Martha gave each of us a burlap sack, like an empty <laughs> potato sack. That was to be our snipe trap. And she had put cheese inside the uh, potato sacks because everybody knows that snipes love cheese. You can smell it from miles around. So she gave us our instructions. She said we were to hunker down in the cornfield, be very, very quiet, because snipes are afraid, very shy, and they're not going to come to you if you make any noise. The only noise you are to make is the noise that will attract them, and that noise was... Snipe, snipe, snipe! <laughs> so it's a world unto itself. The corn is planted in parallel rows. <clears throat> this was August, so the corn was really high. It was about six feet tall, and of course, I'm just a little thing, so it seemed even taller. So here I am at night, in the darkness of night, in this massive rows and rows and rows. It's like being in this huge jungle. And I'm sitting there ever so still and listening to the sounds you could hear crickets, the last of the fireflies were out. I could hear, feel the heat from the sun-baked earth coming through as I, as I sat there. And far, every now and then, far in the distance, you'd hear on some distant farm a, a barking dog. I think that is the loneliest, most plaintive sound you could ever hear. And I'm sitting there, and I want to catch a snipe, but... <laughs> I'm one part of my problem is I've never really been that competitive. Part of me like really, really wanted to prove to Martha that I was brave, that I could sit out in the dark of the cornfield and that I could catch a snipe. I didn't even know what I was looking for, but I wanted to catch it. <laughs> but you know, I just it's what I really wanted to do was just give myself to the night, to the cornfield. That was just such a magical place. So after a while, I just lay down between the rows of corn, 
feeling of warm earth and grace being. I looked up through the the uh, corn leaves. It's massive stars, billions and billions of stars. And as I looked up, I felt like I could just fall into the night sky. And at the same time, I felt like the earth was just embracing me from underneath. And I felt so, so small. But this was a good small. This was a small where I felt like I was a part of something so huge and so wonderful, something that made sense and something that was receiving me. And so for this time, I didn't want to leave. I just wanted to stay here because life was okay right now in this moment. In the cornfield right here by myself, I was okay. So I lay there for the longest time. But I knew I had to leave. It was getting, probably getting late. I didn't know how long I'd been out there, and I didn't want to get in trouble with my parents. So I got up, walked to the edge of the field, and I ran the one block home. And as I'm approaching our house, <clears throat> I see Martha sitting on the porch with all the other kids. They see me coming, and they start laughing, teasing me. Mary, where's your snipe? You didn't catch a snipe? And they burst out laughing, and I realized, <clears throat> This joke's on me. They did this just to make fun of me. And again, I felt so small. Not the good small, but the small where I, where I don't belong, where I'm not, I don't measure up. I could tell story after story after story of these kind of things that took place between me and Martha over the years, where she maintained her dominance and where I stayed small. Elementary school, middle school, high school. I felt like I was following behind this huge force that I couldn't measure up to. I felt like I was in this little rowboat, and I'm rowing my little boat behind this huge steamship that's displacing all this water. The waves are coming back in the boat, and I'm Going, but I'm staying in one place. And what I really want to do is get out from under the undertow of that ship and make my own path through the water, but just keep getting sucked back into this huge force that overwhelms me. Every school year, when I knew I was going to have to face a new teacher, a teacher who had had Martha two years before, oh boy, I made sure right away I proved to that teacher I'm not Martha. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to cause problems. I'm not going to talk back. I'm not even going to have a voice. I'm just going to be here. It's like I felt like I had to become an anti-Martha matter. <laughs> and I worked so hard to prove that I wasn't Martha, that I didn't have anything left over to know who I was. When I was a junior in high school, two big things happened. Martha went away to college, far away to college, and my parents sent me to a little Quaker boarding school in West Branch Isle, Scattergood Boarding School, 30 miles from home, but it could have been millions of miles away because we weren't allowed to go home on the weekends, so I was, I was gone. This was the first time in my life I'd ever been out under this huge force, the Martha force, <laughs> and out from under the intimidation of my parents. And although it was fearful experience for me, it was really, really good. Because in this boarding school, they really encourage the students to express themselves, to think for themselves, to express their ideas and search things out and talk amongst yourself. All the teachers encourage that. 
and they would bring in interesting speakers, and we were encouraged to talk about ideas, what we felt about philosophy, spiritual things, all kinds of things. Social issues were big. So this was good. And also, they emphasized community. It was such a small school, 40 boys, 40 girls. Everything was done in community. And I'd never done that before. And it was very, very good for me. So I began to get a little strength. I began to find out that, yeah, I, I have some ideas up in this head. I can think for myself, and I can use my voice. I didn't feel like I was real strong, but it was beginning to happen. I was beginning to find some space around me, some strength. So the first Christmas, after that first semester, I went home. Martha's home from school. My younger sister, Kate, and Martha and myself are decorating the Christmas tree. And Martha all of a sudden has this brilliant idea that she's going to jump on me and rustle me to the ground. It's one of the, she used to love to do that a lot. She used to love to sit on me and see how frustrated I would get. And she would laugh at me. So she just jumped on me, wrestled me to the ground, pins me down. And as I'm lying there, all of a sudden, I felt this anger rise up. I felt this resolve rise up in me. And this voice that says, enough, enough. So I grabbed her by her shoulders. I hooked my leg over her. I flipped her off. I straddled her. I held her to the ground. She's got this look on her face. My younger sister's sitting over there, and she looks up and goes,